You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. We are so thankful you are here. We have a very special episode brought to us by Function Point. They were kind enough and generous enough to uh, host this episode and bring together some of their amazing thought leaders across North America when it comes to agency life, project management life, and what that whole world looks like. And we're going to dive into some incredible data from their latest report, which you can download link in the bio. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Krista, we're going to start with you. Tell us about yourself, introduce yourself and what the shop is like that you manage. Sure. I'm Krista Anderson. I'm the founder and CEO of AMFM Inc. We are located in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Uh, yeah. And uh, we're a team of 10 uh, full service. So we do offer the digital component that I think we're talking about quite a bit today. That's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, jumping over to you, Casey. Sure. I'm Casey Cornett. I'm the CMO at Spark Creative. Um, and we offer um, an array of digital assets and, and, and creative. Um, so we're talking distribution throughout social channels, um, Google, IP targeting, and then we have an internal creative team. So. It's amazing. How big is your team? Um, I would say all in total, probably around 10 within Spark. That's great. That's awesome. And you're down in Oklahoma City, correct? You're in Oklahoma City, right downtown behind me is um, down in warehouse district called Brick, uh, Bricktown. That's amazing. Isn't there a famous song, Oklahoma? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to sing it for you if that's okay. what you're this. Okay, I was just trying to... No, it okay. was uh, yeah, a famous Broadway play you know, okay. back decades. Amazing. Victoria, tell us about yourself. Yeah, I'm the director of video for Scissortail Media. Um, we are a, a full-service video production company. Uh, we offer video storytelling. Um, that's kind of our niche. And we are a team of 12 people. Um, yeah. It's amazing. Oklahoma and Okay, Oklahoma City, which is amazing. And, and fun fact, all of you are using a project management system. You're all using Function Point, which is amazing. Um, and you all know what it's like running an agency. And what a year we've had. What an incredible uh, ride, adventure, life it's been. Um, fun fact as well, you may recognize Carissa Anderson from AMFM from such news segments where her agency uh, went quote unquote viral, like all of our clients asked us to do, make me viral. She uh, Tell us about your Christmas. Uh, you didn't do a, a, a Yule log like we all are used to at Christmas time watching a 24-7 fire log and, and we all wait for the hand to kind of stoke yeah. the fire. Tell us what your agency did instead of the Yule log this Christmas. It's so funny. Um, they they put together an idea of doing a dumpster fire for the year that we had. And so we constructed a custom dumpster that was to scale and we lit it up and threw in a bunch of items that we all hated from 2020. So puzzles, sourdough, toilet paper, um, masks. The, the word unprecedented. Did you put that on a piece of cardboard and throw it in no. the fire? Okay. Pivot. Pivot. Yes. That word. <laughs> no, pivot. I could have thrown that one in, but I got to be the hand in one of them. We had white claw drinking and it was fun. That, it was a really fun opportunity for us. That was awesome. And, and fine folks like Ryan Reynolds and others and new segments pick this up and just because they thought this is a hilarious reaction yeah, to what a year we went, had. It went, it went viral for two weeks. And so, yeah, Ryan Reynolds liked, liked our tweet and we all lost it. So um, that New York Daily News picked it up, Mashable. It went as far as actually India. A lot of media was picking up there too. So it was it was, it was very interesting. Very, very cool. Very yeah. cool. 
Uh, well, we all, we've all read the report. Um, Function Point took the time to invest in helping educate us, uh, encourage us. And, and I think a lot of it, when I read that report, it was also just affirmation of like, I'm not the only one. I didn't feel alone after I read that, which was really nice to read. Um, but one of the things I got from it overall, COVID's impact is significant to us in agency life, with 57% seeing decrease in revenue and 38% decrease in profit margin. However, over 92% of agencies that do not provide branding and strategy and 76% that do not provide digital marketing and services saw revenue drop. How do you feel that these changes and kind of service makeup that agencies provide, uh, how do you think it impacted you and, and what did you see? Why don't we start with you, Carissa? Oh, sure. Um, we, because we are full service, we, um, I found at the onset of COVID, a lot of our clients were reaching out about crisis communication. And a lot of that is involved around strategic messaging. So having um, strategists involved and our capability to map out how they can be talking to their target audiences and how those messages are even pivoting messages that are in the market to make sure that they're not tone deaf of what's happening was um, very crucial. And so I think that might be a reason for that. Um, and then the digital component of it is um, we found a lot of our clients were scared. It's something that we've never gone through. And so they, some clients paused everything and were um, worried that there weren't vehicles driving around with outdoor media. So what are we going to do with that? And so they really leaned into digital knowing that um, they can turn them on and off, adjust budgets, understand what the target audiences are doing. So the analytics became a lot um, and you can change the messaging. So as policies were changing, you were able to kind of adapt and, and go with it. So um, yeah, I, I know that's a long question, but those are kind of my initial insights. Yeah. And, and Victoria, how about for you, especially from the video side of things, what did you see when it came to client makeup, client requests, and, and kind of the, the shift and the changes for you in this last year? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of what our clients request is, um, uh, we, we serve a lot of nonprofits. Um, so they were doing a lot of um, events and galas ahead of time, a lot of fundraising um, opportunities, telling their own client stories in order to kind of be able to make money for the year for their organization. Um, when the world shut down, uh, it was a complete pivot in figuring out how do they still serve their clients, serve, serve their organizations um, and the people that they're trying to get services out to without this component of in-person events. Um, so the request changed a lot to how do we create compelling content that people want to sit, you know, after being on Zoom all day at your work, they want to sit and watch it. Um, they want to take time in the evenings um, when they're finally done at the computer to attend an event or um, watch a client's story, um, donate money. I mean, at the end of the day, create results. Um, and so it changed our, our clients' requests changed a lot to how do we in, infiltrate this new media um, to get to people who don't want to be gotten to, like at the yeah. end of the day. Um, digital was a really hard element of 2021, but a really necessary, 2020, but it was a really necessary element. Um, so our strategy was just to, to pivot and listen and figure out how to um, create, shift our normal way of, of telling stories into a way that is 
quickly and more efficiently um, told. Victoria, I got up to ask, um, being in video and, and kind of the video agency side of things, uh, your thoughts on TikTok. And did you at one point become addicted to TikTok or are you still an addict? Um, absolutely. Unfortunately, um, I started, I actually held out a lot at the beginning of uh, quarantine. Um, I have younger brothers and um, it was kind of one of those those mediums that I just made fun of them for getting on for. Uh, they're, all do, they're all doing this. Yes. I, well, I thought it was all dancing and I thought it was all just weird content. Um, so I ended up joining TikTok in late summer of 2020 and uh, very quickly realized that it's not just dancing. Um, it is exactly as addicting as everybody says it is. Yeah. Um, but there's also some, it, it was a unique way to get information out oh. in a, uh, to audiences that really will take the time to, to hang out on it. And it's only a minute long, you know, you can only do content that's a minute, um, which means you have to really tailor your message to um, the most important parts. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's a wildly addictive, wonderful world. I, I think what I found so interesting, and, and this is what TikTok would say as well, is that they added the audio element. So you can scroll through Instagram and Facebook and Reddit and so many others and have your audio off. And that became the norm, right? And you'd have to transcribe videos for, for folks, but you got to watch TikTok with the sound on. It becomes this kind of entertainment experience. And so when I we had TikTok on the show, the argument with him was saying, well, we're not a social media platform. We're an entertainment platform is what he would say. In the same way Twitter would try to argue, we're not a social media platform, we are a news platform. So I think they're trying to go that, and, and it's turning out to be quite true and, and we're watching it infiltrate. I, I'm shocked by, as an agency owner, the B2B content that's on there. Uh, more often than not, I'll watch a video and be like, that's actually really important. I didn't know about that software. And I'll like, I'll share it with my team or I'll export the video. And, uh, and then I, it's so funny, friends the next day at work will be like, so you on TikTok last night, I guess, eh? Because I've shared like two or three videos with them that I, that I was like, check out the software. But um, going over to you, Casey, uh, focusing on the digital side of things, what was it like for you? What was this year of uh, requests and change and shift for you? Sure. So um, I mean, back to the, the data and the numbers that you were sharing, it was a little bit sobering because we talk about the, the drop in revenue being in the 50s, um, 50 percentile, but then the, the profit margin didn't drop as much, which as the data explains, means that there were overhead cuts, um, largely not, not just in office space, but also to employees. And I can just imagine, you know, how many of our you know, friends and colleagues um, in this industry are now looking for other places um, to work. And we were very fortunate uh, here at Spark to not have to make any of those cuts, but we do know that they are, whether made or, or not made, probably on the minds of a lot of people. Um, so making kind of that internal cultural shift as well in you know, helping people understand that, you know, we're doing okay, we're doing great, let's just hang in there. But at the same time, everyone's you know, working from home. And so how do you bring that culture back to the, the positive reality that it needs to be um, to me was, was part of the, the more, the most difficult part about 2020 from an agency owner standpoint. Um, but getting back to kind of the main question to, to us, it was really about getting in touch with all of our clients to let them know that, um, the plans that maybe we had written before or had been in the process of writing now needs a completely different look. Um, we aren't, yeah, we do have those measurable objectives that we're looking to accomplish for the year, but, um, we need to hit the pause button and we need to take a, an actual look at what it is that we really think we can accomplish. Um, what can we do 
uh, within budget in the hours and, and, the, and the people that we have on staff, what do we have available for you? It's really to make sure that they understand that we're not here to check boxes off from getting campaigns up and writing ads, but it really is to look out best for their bottom line for whatever it is they actually need and to move forward in that. So uh, on that, Casey, uh, those shops that I mentioned, the, the ones that don't offer uh, those services, don't offer digital right now, but in order to survive, in order to be profitable, they want to add that onto their mix uh, or they want to try to enter that world. What's your advice for those that are getting into that world of digital and, and trying some new services? Sure. Well, the first thing you have to do is to have an open mind. I mean, if at this point you are not offering digital services, it is because you specialize in something very, very specific. It is not that you haven't thought about it yet. Um, you know, you've had reasons in the past to not go down that route. And if you are seeing um, much larger revenue drops than you had previously, you have to ask yourself, is this temporary or are we ever going to get back to the, what is the now new normal? And, you know, as an agency that does offer those things, we were, you know, very fortunate to not have to make an enormous shift in services. But if you keep the same staff that you currently have and are looking to I don't know if the word pivot is what we want to use into some of those digital services, it'd be very difficult to do with the staff that you currently have if you have not yet gone into digital. And how do they find new staff? Where have you found the best kind of places to go? Um, what well, was kind of uh, funny when, when Victoria was talking about um, how she was making fun of TikTok um, with, with her brothers because of it was kind of a new platform. It kind of brought me back to the summer of 2008 when I started doing um, social media for businesses using Twitter. Um, it was one of those things where everyone didn't know really what to do or what it, what to say and, and how it performed from a business perspective. And every time a news story would break on you know the 10 o'clock news and the reporter saying something like Twitter or I'm, I saw this tweet, everyone would kind of giggle on air because they didn't know what to say or what to think of it. Um, I feel like we're kind of in that same area right now, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, and you could definitely say Instagram as well had always been this enormous stronghold on the industry. And we're starting to see more and more things begin to become developed. And I think over 2020, um, it probably pushed the innovation into a lot more of that as well. And um, I, I feel the same way when you were talking about the, the B2B on TikTok. I think a lot of people are still trying to figure it out in 2020. The, the issues that everyone had in the industry forced us into looking into other ways of getting a, a message in front of the right audience. Yeah. And, and going over to you, Victoria, I, I think this is a big awakening as well, just even recently about realizing Reddit has a, has a force and has an influence on the world. Um, and as we look at, you know, there's blue collar employees, there's white collar employees, and there's this new world of new collar employees. Uh, where do you go when you post a job? Do you go to Indeed? Do you go to like video schools? Do you go to LinkedIn? Where are you finding these people to hire? Or do you go online and say, that was a great video and you offer them a job over Instagram? Like what, what's it look like for you? Um, social media is a huge, huge player, um, especially for hiring video professionals, um, video and photo professionals, because your work is um, typically work is very subjective. Um, and you're looking for, um, at least for me, when I was making hiring decisions. Uh, so like Casey at, at Spark at Scissortail, we did not lose a single staff member during COVID. Um, and in fact, we had the opportunity to hire two new staff members um, in 2020 to meet the, the rising demand for the products that we were creating. Um, and recruitment in 2020 changed so dramatically from what we were doing in the past because um, people were at home and they were bored and they were creative and they were 
you know, making new things that they maybe hadn't had the time to do before. Um, so when we were looking at, at those positions, I was looking at social media. I would use, I never used hashtags before 2020. Um, but I would go into like the Instagram hashtag channel, just like feed for specific things that I was looking for. Um, and even connected with a couple of the photographers that way that we ended up contracting, um, a couple of the videographers. Um, I didn't make any straight hires from social media, but it allowed me to start to see what skill sets am I consistently appreciating and liking and helped me narrow my job description. So when I was posting, we were actually getting qualified and, um, you know, helpful applicants for the positions. That's awesome. Now, Chris, going over to you, um, whether it's advice for those that are trying to, um, you know, go from maybe more traditional to become full service or advice on hiring, what would you say to other agency owners out there? It's definitely finding the right people. And we find with our economy here in Alberta, we're also hit by the oil and gas. So it's a totally different variable as well as COVID. So um, we've also been fortunate to retain our entire team and grow a bit. And so posing for a job, we had an overwhelming amount of applicants that it uh, gives you an opportunity to find the best of the best. And you're able to add these exceptional people it also allows you to start thinking of, I don't need someone in my market. People are working virtually. So you can tap into this incredible resource of people anywhere. And so it's, again, back to the question, it's find, finding the right people and ensuring that it integrates with what you have currently offered so that um, the processes or find the new processes of how those can connect um, and ensuring that the ROI is there if you are adding them um, with the people that you have. There's definitely a demand for digital. It's not going anywhere. So it's awesome. I want to jump into kind of in the weeds question. So uh, from the report, they're saying that agencies are 3.5 times more resilient to COVID and able to maintain revenue and profit margin if their managers or directors or whatever title you've given that person know the project budget spend in real time. For, for, you know, part one of the question, why do you think that's the case? And second part, how did your agency implement tools to help management gain access to this information? Let me start with you, Carissa. Sure. Um, with the why it's the case to be able to um, be more resilient is working from home. It was a huge shift and we didn't know how long it was going to be. And so not having... Um, we're, we're one of those offices that yell. I don't know. Do you guys do that? I'm like, Hey, what about that thing? Like, we'll yell. We're not a huge space. And so not having that ability to yell consumes a lot of time and you need those processes in place. So if you understand what the project is doing in real time, you're able to understand, um, where the budgets are coming in or how everything is going, or if there's any variables and changes in messaging, or we're pivoting, um, a communication piece. So, having um well we use function point and that's that's really what helped helped us through all of this is having those um gantt charts that we can look at and all the tasks and understanding workflow and capacity so i think that makes a a huge difference in allowing us to know what's happening it's the communication it was a change 
So if you've got, and I, you know, you don't want to be careful of your client's name. Let's just say you have Sally's cat sweaters based in Winnipeg, right? And yeah. and she's one of your clients and she's got a $10,000 um, budget with you. And of that 5,000 is a Facebook spend. Uh, how does it work in function point and how did your team kind of manage her Facebook spend? And if it, you know, you maxed it out or not, or you maybe didn't spend the full 5,000 and then you accrued into the next month, give us kind of the, the what that looks like for your team and how yeah, did your managers sure. and directors kind of oversee that? It's, um, it's an incredible tool that you're able to utilize anywhere and you would put in your account. So we'd put in the cat sweaters and we'd know what we would do and put in your expense. So you have like your insertion order or your PO order or however you um, put it in with your agency. And then it, it, it does allow you to put things in, uh, allows you to track your time so that you know what you're spending against it. Um, you can have all of your invoices connected to QuickBooks. And so everyone is speaking to everyone and there's just one place for it all to come together. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how we would have survived this year without it. And I, that's a huge plug for function point, but it is true to have a CRM. Like you, you need to have a project management and it's all combined together. And that's awesome. And, and Victoria, for you, did you find you were maybe in function point more often in your project management tool because of the climate we were in and because of so many shifts and, and maybe with those shifts, uh, how did the tool help you and, and how did that work for you? Yeah. So, um, I have been, our, our company has been in function point since November. Um, I don't know if you guys know that, but that's like six months after the pandemic started. Um, so we, and this kind of leads to why we decided to go with function point um, in the first place. So we were noticing when COVID started that um, there was a lot of decision-making based in emotion. Um, there was a lot of decision-making based in, well, we feel this way because of this, and we think that the trends are gonna go this way. Um, maybe we should do this versus that. And really found that we lacked the data to back up any of our decisions really. Um, and when such an unprecedented event happened in our world that affect um, pretty much every single one of our verticals um, that we work within, we realized that we needed to make a change. We needed to do something different. Um, so we decided to bring in function point and, and we started with like a temporary, like time tracking thing. That was like our first goal. Like, can we get people to start time tracking? Um, and like a harvest tool or kind of a, yeah. one of those. Yeah. 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 We use, we use clockify. Um, yeah. it is a very, very simple version, a very simple way to clock time. Um, yeah. and while we were getting function point up and running, um, and then as we brought in function point, um, being able to see the data of our projects. So, um, for video specifically, um, everything is project-based and the way that we do our estimates and do whatever. And we charge, um, based on time, but we also charge on hard expenses, uh, for like additional crew or props or equipment. Um, and so like Carissa, we add expenses directly into the, the project that we're tracking or to the job we're tracking it to and got to see very quickly in real time. Okay. We are coming up on our hard limit of we're going to, we're going to hit max spend on this project. And we're about to reach the point where we are, there's no way to get profitable. Um, and then in the reverse happened as well. We were like, wow, we actually thought we were going to end up spending a lot more on this project, but now we have data that shows, we actually got it done a lot quicker um, than we have done in the past or that we felt like we were doing it in the past. So that informed a lot of decision-making moving forward um, as far as, well, this person, uh, we thought they were super like over-allocated. So let's actually 
you know, take a few things off and then put something on somebody else um, more quickly. And so we didn't get into situations where we were burning out team members and we were um, losing clients because they were unhappy with how much money we were spending uh, of their, their stuff. So, yeah. I'd say that to what you're saying, the majority of like our peers and, and tell me if you'd agree, we were artists and creatives turned business people. Right? And so we're used to doing these creative things and artistic things and running off of our feelings, right? And, you know, the, we're probably ENFPs if you're a, a Myers-Briggs fan, right? And so extroverted feelers. Um, and so when you look at that data, do you find it's constraining or do you find it sobering and helpful? It's so freeing. Um, it is so freeing to get to see um in real time where we're at as a company um, and be able to make more confident decisions um, and quick, like more quick decisions. I think that there's less one, you get out of all the meetings. It's like people talking about, well, we should do this or we should do that. Or what if we're feeling this? And um, you're able to look like just straight look at the data and say, no, the data says this, we need to do this. Like this is the only option or these are the only two options. Let's just pick now the better of the two. Um, and it's as a as a director of, of the department um, and kind of the one spearheading any operations within Scissor Tail, um, it is so freeing. That's the best way that I can describe seeing data in real time. It's awesome. Casey, going over to you, um, you sell, like say, you know, it's really busy. People are realizing they need to switch to digital. You sell like five projects in a day. Let's just say last Friday was a good Friday for you or, you know, five projects in a week. Um, you load it into function point. Can you tell for the, say the next three months or next six months, if you need to hire more staff or not, can you tell if you're like, okay, I've reached capacity of all my staff. I can't sell anymore, or I've sold one too many. I need to hire a contract or a staff. Sure. Um, yeah, we use, quite a bit of formulas uh, internally as far as billable hours, billable rates, um, or to measure capacity on an ongoing basis. Um, so I feel like we, we have a pretty good grasp on that. We measure it weekly to make sure that we're um, continuing to, to go down the right path as far as either overloading people's workloads or where can we shift from here to there. Um, but one of the major things that, that Function Point really has helped with, it, it wasn't necessarily that we um, used it more often. It, it's it's more of a, an indicator of how much trust we had to now have and lean and depend upon it from a day-to-day -day perspective because we, we function, or I, I shouldn't say we, I function a lot like Carissa does where we just kind of turn over and it's like, yell, hey, did you get that thing? That doesn't really work when everyone works from home. No. Uh, so we, we definitely had to use um, the task and the job numbers and all those things in a much more efficient manner. And we now have, um, you know, daily daily check-ins with creative department and account service where we go through in a very robotic way. This number is this, where are we? Are we good? This next number is this, are we good in that? Uh, to figure out from a data perspective, what needs to shift? What doesn't need to shift? What can we add now that we've changed this and moved that over here? That's really cool. And Chris, anything you want to add to that? I was also thinking um, with the reporting, like the back end, the you can customize different reports to understand uh, those projections and invoicing and where you're at with cash flow. And so those are things that I really utilize daily. Like function point is always up and it's great. Um, we kind of touched a little bit on tasks, but it's, it's wonderful to have those tasks because sometimes um, like when you're, when you're in an office, you bump into each other at the coffee machine. You're like, Hey, uh, how's that, uh, direct mail piece going? And yeah. we're like, Oh yeah, right. Like you kind of have those reminders and touch points. And so, um, having the task and accountability, I think yeah. is a huge 
um, component of why function point really helped us through this is that you're able to visually see things and put in expectations of deadlines and timelines and it's all it's all done for you. Amazing. If only there was a section within function point that could help us understand WandaVision. That would be the only thing missing, I would say, at this point. Exactly. So, so speaking of working from home, uh, I want to ask this question. Um, over three quarters of the people feel that they are more productive working from home and over 90% feel quality of work is better from the survey. You know, the, the survey says, right, uh, as CEOs and managers and, and kind of agency owners, would you agree to that statement and why? Why don't we start with you this time, Casey? Oh, do I agree that they feel it's better? Probably. Yes. Um, uh, I would fall into the category of the people who um, probably knows that the quality of work that I would do from working from home is not better. Um, I, I think a lot of people that work in agency life, let's say they're in their you know, 20s or 30s who may not have a lot of kids who are now also at home um, or other spouses or partners who also work from home. And it's becoming a little bit more and more difficult. Now, I think the, the general idea, let's say, 18 months ago, if you worked from home, did you feel it was better? Maybe. Um, but 2020 really gave us a lot more curveballs than the typical work from home. Um, so I'm not sure. I mean, from a from an ownership standpoint, um, the one thing that I know that we would miss out from everyone working from, from home is the culture. Um, it's really hard to help grow that culture when everyone works from home is, is the work um, is the work deliverable a little bit better? I think it's maybe a case by case basis, but what do you lose from the culture perspective by having everyone work from home and really implementing a lot of really good processes of work from home? Because when you get really good at it, then all of a sudden you have to then now shift to how does this affect our culture and where do we go moving forward? Yeah. And, and it is tricky, right? When you assign a task and, and if you, you know, it's so hard without body language and, and without seeing the person and, and seeing their attitude where it's like, you know, they may have been a little curt in the, you know, task thread, but they really meant it joyfully and, and you know, in, in a happy mood, they were just writing something quick because their kid was jumping on something and they had to run quick and they just had to quickly write it down. Right. And so it's, it's, it is very tricky. Um, how about for you, Victoria, especially in the world of video, um, you know, I, I, your teams are probably out on the road, your editors are internally, uh, but to miss that feedback, especially from creatives that are creating these video pieces or, you know, a, a trend happened on TikTok that day before, can they share it right away, right? It's trickier to share kind of like, oh, did you watch that? Or let me show you something on my phone. So how are you kind of responding to that? Yeah, so we kind of operate in two, um, at least our independent contributors operate in two different roles. Um, one is the creative role and one is the producer role. Um, our producers act as our account managers, um, but they're responsible for kind of client engagement, um, making sure that the messaging is on track, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Their jobs, um, I found, were a lot easier to successfully accomplish from home um, because they're not getting interrupted every five minutes. They're actually able to kind of tune in to... Uh, whatever they're trying to focus on without the creative teams or um, the leadership teams coming in and, and asking a million questions. Yeah. Um, Cause you're, you're editing, you're in the zone. Like you're, you're yeah. like coding, right? You're, you're editing the piece. Yeah. So our editors are, our producers are not, um, yes. but they are, um, they're, they're also, you know, they're writing interview questions. They're, yeah. you know, writing story flows, that sort of thing. Um, so I found that they ended up being more, productive from home for at least the first bit of COVID. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
our editors were almost the exact opposite. Um, oh, wow. Because uh, we have a very open door, open kind of question policy in our office where um, it's like a yelling thing, like, hey, yeah. give me some feedback on that. Like, hey, yeah. can, can you roll over to my desk and watch this two minute piece? Yeah. Give me some feedback. Let's talk about ways that we can make it better. Or, hey, um, I've got this problem with this story. I just like really can't figure it out. Can we? Yeah. Can you give me some insight? Do you um, notice the bat in the cave on this interview subject? I didn't notice it when I shot it, but can you see it now? See it now, like as someone who's not, you know, yeah. new to the new to the content. But that is, has been a really, and that was a huge challenge at the beginning of COVID yeah. um, because our culture is so ingrained in, um, in that collaboration. Yeah. Um, so nowadays we've kind of, we've switched to our, our office has switched to a uh, temporary work remote policy yeah. where um, our editors are home two days a week, typically yeah. um, two to three days. And they're in the office the rest of the time. And our okay. producers are kind of half and half as well. Wow. Okay. And that I've noticed um, has kind of gotten us the balance of both where people can put their head down and edit or, or put their head down and um, knock out a bunch of things on the days that they're at home, but then they still get that collaboration and that connection when they're in the office on those other few days. So it's kind of like a hybrid Miley Cyrus, Hannah Montana model. Exactly. Best of both worlds. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. We've gotten great feedback on that too from from the teams. And and maybe that's what it's going to look like. I'm I'm watching uh, peers either sell their offices, uh, give up their leases, or they're doing a hybrid where they're turning their office into a co-working space for the public, but then their team has first rights to use the space as a co-working environment. Um, and again, it probably differs from state to state, province to province, territory to territory, depending on even what the government allows us to do, whether we can come in or not physically. Um, Krista, over to you. What are your thoughts on WFH? WFH. It's, um, it's complicated because I think it depends on the person and, and what they're like. Uh, suits, like the account team. Um, That's a great term. I feel... It's it's complicated because um, it's meetings. I find that our team is just back to back to back to back. Zoom, Skype, yeah, Google, whatever it is. And so I feel like I don't feel as productive because I feel a lot of my time is just these meetings that could have been thirty seconds in oh, a hallway. And but so our, our Tetris block calendar has been filled a lot. Yeah, and then we have some like some of our designers and art directors are just doing the most incredibly beautiful work because they're able just to get in their zone and they're, they're happy. And so, and then there's mental health issues where they're single and they're at home all the time. And we were doing, um, I'm I'm kind of like the mother hand and I shouldn't really say that, but like I, at the onset, we were doing like 15 minute meetings a day where we'd all log in because we're a small team. I would literally like just check their faces. Like, I'm like, so cool. Good for you. They're not good. And so, or they're doing great. And like, we try to like, we're a tight team and I'm really proud of that, the culture that we've built here. And so I think that those connections are still there, even though they're Mm -hmm. virtually. And I can't imagine what it'd be like to build a team and onboard you miss that we are collaborative and that's what makes what we do in this industry so special. And so productivity, I think it depends on the day. Last week it was so cold here in Edmonton. It was minus 40. 
that's Fahrenheit and Celsius. You can't go outside. We're still in a, a lockdown with our government. So um, everyone's working from home. You can't go for a walk. And you can just see that everyone kind of hit hit a point. Yeah. And so was productivity the best that week? I really didn't care. Like mm. we needed we needed a timeout. So yeah. um, the work, the quality, we found mechanisms to do feedback and those communications, but productivity sometimes can be an illusion because a full day of meetings, were you that productive? Maybe, I don't know. It's, I don't, I don't know if I answered the question, but it's just, it's. No, it makes it. So and speaking of that and, and to that, um, when you look at weeks and you look at kind of months and you're trying to think of like productivity and, and productivity for your agency, have you kind of thrown it out the window? Cause you're like, I want the mental health of my staff to be good. Or are you saying, man, some weeks are great and, and overproductive and some weeks are low and it just evens out in the end. And I'm okay with that. Well, kind of, where are you mindset wise yeah. for you, Chris? That's, that's exactly where I'm at. And okay. I, I hope my team, I communicate that with them. Like, um, working from home, sometimes it's easy. You sit down at your desk and it's nine o'clock at night. You're like, yeah. oh my God, like it, you lost a day. Yeah. And then there's other days where you just need to take a day, yeah. take a day. Yeah. Um, we don't, we're a little different. We don't track time. Yeah. We are flat fee project based. So we don't have, we know, we know what the hours yeah. are and yeah. being in the industry, as long as you are, you, you get it. So um, as long as we are delivering our clients strategic, beautiful work that is yeah. making an impact with their target audience mm. right now, that's, that's success to us. So, okay. And yeah. do you have a timeline? Are you saying, okay, vaccines get rolled out? We're vaccinated by December, 2021. Everyone let's get back in come January. Have you, have you even kind of gone there yet mentally or, or told the team yet? Um, we have to start thinking that through. I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, there's team members that are excelling at home. Like they, they like that head down moment. I, I think it's going to be a hybrid like Victoria and like what you guys are doing now is come in certain days for those collaborative meetings and, and build that culture again and, and learn and grow from each other. And then have some days where you can work from home. It allows extra space in your office. You allow people to come in at different times. It can do a lot of great things. Okay. So Casey, this question's for you on that. Uh, what do the individuals need to do to convince you, the owner and management that they should work from home full time? What can they do? And, and those are for the folks that are listening right now. This is from an agency owner who's going to give you the inside scoop. He's going to lift up the hood of the car and tell you what he needs to see, hear, and uh, you know, watch. Sure. I think it, it almost goes back to my answer in the last question. It's proved to me the culture is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully at this point, without the, the culture response, we have enough data on which employees can work from home effectively, which ones are still providing valued work. Because kind of like what Carissa said that, you know, if, if the value is, or not value, if the, if the product is good and, and they're, they're, they're high performing and, and things are working, then I have no problems from, a, from, an, from an owner's perspective. But I mean, what do people in the masses need to do? You need to prove to me that we're going to be okay culturally, because that is a very top priority for us. Okay. I got a follow-up question on that. Speaking of culture and speaking of kind of uh, workflow and, and keeping kind of a finger on the pulse, when you have say clients and or staff that are starting to kind of go off the reserve and start um, emailing or putting tasks in Slack and it's kind of going off of the, the project management software, how do you get them back on the software so you can keep a good finger on the pulse and kind of manage what's going on? Yeah, I would say we do a really good job around here of checking in with each okay. other. Um, I mean, not only daily for what's due right now, but also weekly. 
um, team meetings, one-on-ones, we, we very much are staying on top of things and um, it, it never does any good to, to you know, sweep anything under the rug for, mm-hmm. to say, uh, especially in this, this period of us working all, well, not all, but mostly remote where we don't have those water cooler conversations yeah. or discussions when, when things are coming up and things may or may not be missed or dropped or forgotten because they weren't, because um, they were in maybe a, a Slack channel or, or something very similar. Um, we, we are in communication enough to know that we ask those questions, you know, why did that happen? Was it best for you? Was, was the response good enough? Should we then look at our current processes to change the, in the direction that you and maybe a lot of your coworkers are moving into in a natural manner? Yeah. Um, or do we need to kind of make everyone uh, stay reminded? We do have weekly all staff meetings as well um, to really bring up any issue that we may have had from the client or from an internal perspective. Um, and we also use that time to really champion a lot of the good things that have been going on internally as well. Now, do you use function point Victoria for you? Do you have your clients use it as well, or do you keep them separate? Like it's just for your staff. Uh, we keep them separate and okay. we do that because, um, we want function point to be a safe space for yeah. our team, um, yeah. to, uh, to ideate, to, yeah. Um, have conversations, to have open, honest dialogue about yeah. where they're at with with a project. Um, yeah. And we personally, we felt because we were on an, a different project management system before that had our clients in it, we felt like that wasn't the direction that we wanted to go with this one. Um, and I, I would stick with that, having oh. been a part of it for um, almost four months now. Yeah. And Carissa, you? Oh, no. I'm on mute. Oh my gosh. Ooh. Uh, how many times do we say that a day? Um, we don't, our clients don't have access to function point. And I agree. Yeah. It's kind of a safe space, but the function is there if you need it, which is uh, innovative. Um, so yeah. So that was a really bad answer. No, it's great. So question for you, you know, we all have our phones, right? And, and we wake up in the morning and, and depending on your level of kind of uh, what your morning routine looks like, some of us go and check it right away and they check, we check Google news, we check Apple news. Uh, maybe we check our Instagram, right? Or we check our TikToks, whatever it is that we first check. When you log in a function point, when you kind of get to your work and open up your laptop, what are the data points? What are the pieces in function point that you go to first that you love looking at that helps you give a good perspective as kind of the owner, leader, kind of captain of your ship? Let me start with you, Carissa. Um, I usually look at if there's any notifications that I need to know if my team has been commenting on anything that's urgent. I like to look at what tasks I have to do. What um, We've really been digging into that. We didn't do that before because we were yelling. So it's like, what does someone need me to do? And when does it do? Um, and then I like to look at the work plan and just see what everyone's day looks like. Is someone overloaded? Is someone a little light? Can we shuffle things around um, and then seeing really some major projects coming to an end? So it's it's a one-stop shop that I like to be able to, it depends on the day, I guess. And it's your accounting as well, right? So maybe month end oh, yeah. or month, early month that you check that as well. Some of the data points there, your bookkeeper yeah. accountant makes sure you check that. Yeah. And our bookkeeper and accountant both have access to function points. So they are able to pull anything from dockets and understand any expenses. So um, yeah, as an operation, I'm always checking what receivables we have coming in and payables and understanding our cash flow. And it's, it's a lot, it's streamlined. 
That's amazing. So Casey, for you, you come into the office or you go into your basement or whatever closet room you've been given in the home and you open up your laptop or you uh, turn on your IBM desktop computer, whatever that looks like. What are the first things you do? What, is, what are you checking and, and where do you go for uh, to get a good perspective on the day? Sure. I would say what the first things that, that well, the priority that, I, that I'm looking at um, is really checking on the capacity of the, the current staff for today, for this week, for this month. Um, really trying to figure out, do we have what we need in order to get uh, all of our tasks done on time and done the way that they should be done? Um, so it's really looking for red flags. I'm not necessarily looking for one particular thing to be, you know, have a green light or to be checked off. I'm really looking at the overall thing, just making sure that um, as someone who is not in the day-to-day of the actual client um, postings, um, I, I can look at it from a broad perspective just to make sure that our entire staff is taken care of and that everything we have currently on the docket is going to be, be able to be accomplished. That's awesome. And what, do they, what do you guys call that in function point? What's the term that you kind of go to? What's the section within the software? Oh, I, we, haven't, we haven't labeled any of that yet. It's more just me checking in there, um, mainly daily. Yeah. Um, we have the way that we have it set up. We have you know the tasks and the due dates and everything. Um, and then like I mentioned, we do check in pretty much every day with either department heads um, to really make sure that the things that are on the task sheet to be done can be done on time. Awesome. All right, Victoria, your morning routine after you've had your uh, hearty bowl of Wheaties or whatever your breakfast looks like these days. Yeah. So um, I, you can build out custom dashboards in function point. Um, and so I have a couple different dashboards. I have like my daily um, kind of everyday information, which is uh, we use pen to notes a lot. Um, so I'll see if I have any pen to notes um, from my team. Same with alerts. Um, so my like daily list looks like pen to notes, um, to do list items, um, alerts, which will give me, uh, like Carissa said, the like arm is my staff commenting, do they need things from me? Um, and then I have another dashboard that is specifically for projects. Um, project tracking. Um, do we have overdue tasks? Do we have, um, projects that are getting close to our, or over budget? Um, you can customize a lot of function point, And so you can set, uh, things to alert you if it's getting within 80% of your allocated budget or 65% of your allocated budget. That's awesome. Uh, it's been really helpful. That's and then amazing. I, well, their report, the reporting tab, um, you can build out custom reports that get you whatever data that you need. Um, much like Casey and uh, Casey was talking about, we have a set of criteria that we look at um, on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, <laughs> yearly basis, and you can build out those reports to, uh, with the click of literally two buttons, um, open up those reports, see all the information that you need, um, and then know moving forward what things need to be adjusted. Um, that sort of thing. So that's my daily kind of to-do list items. Awesome. So any closing thoughts or encouragement to, uh, you know, CMOs, agency owners, people that run in-house teams, Chris, so why don't we start with you? Any closing thoughts for uh, our listeners? I'm trying to be very optimistic as a leader in the company and kind of in the community. And I, I kind of look back at history and my husband was laughing at me the other day, but the roaring twenties was something that I want to really focus on. And I'm trying to find these opportunities and make opportunities is that people are excited to get back to 
life and living and joy. And so I feel like there's going to be this surge of that, which will be great for the economy, which will be great for businesses and you need to market those businesses. So um, I'm trying to be very optimistic. Obviously you can't be too Pollyanna, but I think that with, with function point, you're able to really see those different things and understand projections and, and just kind of lean into it. That's awesome. With, uh, data-driven projections, which I think is what yeah. you guys have been uh, been saying. And I think with that, we're going to see a big party at West Edmonton Mall, led by and hosted by Carissa. So look forward to that because yeah. um, West Edmonton Mall is amazing. So over to you, Casey. Any closing thoughts or uh, encouragement to the, to the listeners? So many. <laughs> um, at this point, you know, we're, we're about a year into it. I mean, th- around here in, in Oklahoma, pretty much the, uh, if we had to nail down a date is when all of this, um, the pandemic issues really hit us. Uh, we're coming up right at about a year. Um, and I, I don't know if I had felt um, any differently from about May through December, as far as when is this thing ever going to end and what will the future look like for for agencies, but at least around here locally in the past month or so, as the vaccines have begun to roll out, I think we are finally given a a little bit of a a sigh of relief. Um, I don't think we have anything right now of a date that says this is when we're going to change things, but I think we can begin planning for those to happen. and I, I think we all feel a little bit more comfortable knowing that the the end of, of whatever this might be can at least be envisioned at this point. It's awesome. And in case it wasn't clear, you have been invited to West Edmonton Mall when the borders open and we can party because if you haven't been to West Edmonton Mall, it's amazing. So it's going to change your life. <laughs> I would love There's to. a water park and an amusement park <laughs> and, I, and Bourbon but, Street. Yeah, but the landscape is very different from Canada to Oklahoma City at this point. Yeah. Um, Victoria, closing thoughts, wrap us up here. Yeah. Um, I think at the end of the day, 2020 has showed us that we can overcome, um, and we can overcome together and with new solutions and, uh, creativity. And I have no doubt that that's going to continue into 2021 and into the, the roaring twenties, you know, the next decade of, um, marketing, production, industry challenges. Um, I think that what we did in choosing Function Point allowed us to better run our business at the end of the day. It got us to the point where, um, honestly, the data got out of the way, like the stress of pulling the data, the stress of getting, you know, being able to make better decisions, it got out of the way and allowed us to just do our job and and love our job because it was easy. Um, And so if I was going to say anything to an owner or a CMO who's making the decision to add a a new project management system to their, you know, daily life, I promise you, it's like, if you take the time to commit to understanding and gathering the data that you need, um, which function point does a very good job of, it will get out of the way for you. Um, you won't Amazing. have to stress, you won't have to, um, and all of the challenges that I'm sure are going to happen in 2021, this year has um, only just begun and we've had a few already. Um, if we're ready to move past that, then I would just say like, get your 
get out of your own way, get set yourself up for success and um, set your team up for success, your directors, your managers, your team leads to be able to make better decisions so that you don't have to make every single one. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you for having us. <laughs> no, thank you for being here. It sounds like describing function point or, or a really great project management tool like this describes like having a person in your life that knows what's going on. They can see the future. They've got the data. It's like having an accountant, bookkeeper, um, you know, magic ball person in your life all the time as a business owner that's 24-7 being able to give you a nice pulse on where your agency is at. So thank you for giving such a good description and, and painting such a helpful picture. And also speaking to some of the trends, I think this episode will be published, I think one year to the date when uh, this was officially announced uh, globally by the W. WHO as a pandemic. So it's very fitting for agency owners who are, um, you know, I wouldn't say celebrating one year, but acknowledging one year since the uh, declaration. So uh, yeah, what a year it's been. And, and I, I'm very encouraged, Krista, to go and start reading about 1920s thoughts and themes and culture and even marketing and promotions back then, because I am, uh, I'm so intrigued by what you said. There's, That's very cool. There's a lot. There's a lot. And I've just been thinking, listening to everyone, like if we survive this, we can survive anything. Yeah. It's very exciting. Oh, it's very cool. Sense. Yeah. Well, thank you, Function Point, for uh, bringing us all together. Thank you for the data report. If you want to learn more about trends, uh, if you want to be encouraged and not feel alone, if you want to see what is uh, happening right across North America when it comes to agency owners and uh, kind of agency trends, download the report. Uh, it's uh, links in the bio. And thank you so much for joining us today on Marketing News Canada. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded at the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editor, Travis Jeffers. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.